0: it's the truman show with truman jones a look at the politics news sports and people that are shaping rutherford county
3: the truman show is on the air the truman show is on the air from the willow window
2: broadcast center willow window Making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Online at willowwindow.pro. Now
0: live from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living
1: on Memorial Boulevard, here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. Good I'm morning, sitting here morning. looking at Greg Tucker.
4: Good morning.
1: Uh, it's time to wake up now. Would you please get your eyes going and everything? You look like you're... Did you get any sleep at all last night?
4: I did very well last night. You're describing your own circumstances.
1: Well, I very well could be. Um, You know, there's a lot going on right now, but one of the things that um, 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 we're going to be talking about is we lost somebody pretty special, very special this last week, and uh, that's... I always called him Little Joe Nunley. Joe Jr. What about three generations of Nunleys that I've known, and every one of them have been so special for us and and really cared about our community. And uh, uh, I remember um, Big Joe. He would come over and share a lot of the things that he had written uh, while he was over at the university, and every one of them, it, it, it was like uh, somebody like Agatha Christie or, or one of those great uh, novelists over the years. But it, it all had, a, it had emotion in it, uh, it, it. It had drama in it. And you, it, he would write these short stories, and you, you couldn't put them away. You you always I, I would always have to go back and reread them again because they were um, so special. But anyway, we lost little Joe, and um, uh, I do want to mention that the uh, service is going to be at Viola, and it's going to be 2:30 p.m., and that's on Tuesday at the First Presbyterian Church, and that's 2:30 uh, p.m. Uh, this Tuesday, and uh, I know there's going. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be heading over that way.
4: Viola is a small little community, just beyond McMinnville, and uh, familiar with it. That's Nunley country up there. That's yeah. where the family uh, at least came from. Uh, Joe Jr. uh, I knew well. He uh, was a fan of local history Mm -hmm. and uh, read and commented on much of what I wrote and uh, frequently would be in the audience if I had occasion to make a presentation uh, or something. And uh, I'm sure he got his interest in local history from his father, who, as you were saying, did a lot of writing and such about it. Uh, One of his uh, most uh, important pieces was a book he wrote about his time and his generation's time Mm -hmm. at uh, Middle Tennessee State College, as it was called at that time. The book's The Roaring Forties. Anyone who has any interest in the college in particular, the community generally, uh, should read the Raider Forties. It uh, obviously is focusing on the World War II generation, mm-hmm. uh, the the greatest generation. Uh, it was published in 1977, but the focus is 1940 through the end of that decade uh, at the university. And Joe Sr. frequently would uh, wax philosophic uh, and uh, very colorful in some of his descriptions and one that I particularly remember, I have read and reread a number of times, is uh, writing about the period following the end of the war. Uh, And I have it here if I share it with the listeners. He wrote, It hasn't taken the world long to recede to its pre-war size. It's an interesting way to, to remind us that during the war, the newspapers, even the local newspapers were talking about other parts of the world that many of us, many of them at that time, didn't know until mm-hmm. the war, war period. A classic example is the South Pacific uh, Wake Island, Guadalcanal, Rabul became uh, uh, words and terms that were on a daily basis in the papers mm-hmm. and what he's pointing out now is when the war ended the whole world seemed to get smaller again, like yeah. it was. We, we, Those of us, those who were around at the time, began to focus again on things more local. Uh, he says, he goes on, We are comfortable now, back on the campus, but being a student again is not like it once was. I guess it's better. It's different, anyhow. Uh, that kind of reminds me of where we are with our pandemic You know, we are wondering, are things going to go back to normal? Will they ever be like they were? And uh, just as we're on the cusp of that that period of change, Mm -hmm. he goes on to say, uh, in those days, speaking of the war period, he says, today, in quotes, was the most important thought in those days. But now it is tomorrow. There are things to be done, specific things like jobs, paying rent, buying a car, assuming a responsible role in the community. The unreal vagueness of yesterday's tomorrow faded after the end of Hitler and Tojo. There are no youth-consuming conflagration to blind us to the future interesting he just described war yeah and in his as i say f- kind of a philosophic phrase the unreal vagueness of yesterday's tomorrow he's noting that in a war that involves all of us as it did in in that period uh we couldn't focus on tomorrow because of it's survival today each day yeah was our you know Either the individual directly or someone in the family we know is in harm's way. Is there any tomorrow? The focus was on today, but the war ended, and once again, uh, you could look, uh, you could look forward, and move on. And this, quoting this thought, slowly rises to our consciousness as we move through the next year. Uh, without the war, we we are. We're focused on what are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to be doing next year? Uh, Particularly if you're, as he was at the time writing about, uh, you're finishing up your college finally. Yeah, Many of those in that period were in school, in college, and he makes that note uh, in 40, 41, 42, and then had to do other things. And so in 46, 47, 48, they're trying to go back to school mm-hmm. to finish and plan their tomorrow. So I give uh, Joe Sr. a lot of credit for his the way he works a philosophy into his writing about events of that period.
1: And a lot of the things that he would write, like you said, were historic. But... Uh, when he grew up where he did uh, in those mountains and valleys over there, I guess you might say you know, a lot of it would be kind of in the uh, for people to to know where it is in the Mont Eagle area and uh, uh, there were a lot of interesting things going on at that time bootlegging and all the other things that were uh, of interest at the time and it, it would talk about the The relationship between the um, the people who lived there and the law enforcement people, and how were all the places that they could go and hide and and you know, and create uh, business type ventures during that time. And we would sit there in the office, and I would be so fascinated. It was better than watching. Any movie at the time How his mind created so many things And of course we're talking about Little Joe uh, right now And uh, um, Will is going to be on our show Come uh, Thursday And uh, we're going to be talking about Some of the family history uh, And uh, I, I, I can't wait to have him on Because uh, that whole family is so special It's just like Their minds are always in a creative mode, and they're so interesting. I guarantee you, uh, not a one of them could fail at creating movies and things like that. I just wish that uh, um, more people had gotten to know them in their historical background.
4: Well, thinking and speaking of friends who we need to remember... Uh, I did it during the weekend, just on a see who answers. I dialed the cell phone for my close friend Ralph Puckett. Mm-hmm. Ralph is, in my opinion, the the genius of the antique car uh, hobby. Uh, the did, he,
1: did he get you into that?
4: He, well, I had a car or two, but he gave me enough confidence that we took them apart and uh, put them back together a couple of times, but always under his direction. Uh, but I called his phone, and he answered. Mm. And I said, uh, Ralph, are you still in jail? And he says, yeah, I'm still here. And, of course, that's why he refers to the nursing home
1: mm-hmm. here at
4: Adams Place. Uh, the healthcare uh, branch of the Adams complex here,
1: but they do do a great job here.
4: And and he and I said, well, are they feeding you good? And he said, oh, the food here is excellent. I said I really like the food and the people are nice, but I can't go out. And uh, that they're still very cautious about the uh, exposure to the virus and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is apparently making some progress. Uh, he says he may, in a week or two, be able to go home, and uh, the family's making arrangements for uh, home care if that uh, works out. So I was pleased that he's making a bit of a comeback at the age of 89. Uh, that's that's pretty. No
1: impressive. way, he's that old.
4: Yeah, that's pretty impressive.
1: He sure doesn't look it.
4: Yeah, and uh, our uh, Smyrna historian. Uh, I talked to Marty Luffman, Uh, I believe I was on Saturday, I talked to Marty, and he has now gone into Institutional Care, he's at Trust Point Mm -hmm. Rehab Facility, and uh, he said he's uh, uh, in there for a 30 day or well, he said he'd be there until at least the end of uh, May. Mm-hmm. So he's going long-term there. And I said, well, what are you working on? And he said, they're helping me get to the point where I can get from my bed to the wheelchair. That's the beginning. And uh, as our, our, those who have listened before, Marty was victim of a very severe car accident. Uh, a truck took advantage of him mm-hmm. and uh, has been paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, although there's still hope that he'll be able to recover from some of that, uh, he's our our horseman,
1: and uh, very active.
4: Yeah, very very active. Yeah. But uh, and again, I think he'll he'll surprise us all how much he comes back and what he's able to do. But right now, he's going through a a, a very uh, difficult rehabilitation program. And Marty, if you're listening, we wish you well. You have our thoughts and prayers. And uh, I look forward to the next time we can do a historic preservation program together.
1: Yeah. He he is one of our best buddies and and just enjoy him so much. I um, ran into another friend yesterday. Uh, We were eating over at uh, Chili's and Ronnie Barrett came in. And always good to see Ronnie, one of our more successful people, um, in, in, especially in the firearms business. Um, Ronnie is one of those people that y- you have to name him, him as a, a genius because he has created so many things, and a lot of them are very useful to our military, so uh Ronnie means a lot to me he means a lot to community and he really means a lot to our nation and i think he was heading i believe he told me down to uh, an NRA uh, convention and uh, that's that's very special to our country i think most people in this community support that very much and and uh, Ronnie um If you're listening, we really appreciate you, big boy, and and what you do for our community and for our country. And I think you ran into uh, our uh, former president, Trump, just recently and uh, had a little conversation with him also. Ronnie's done extremely
4: well for a small-town photographer. Uh, Interesting. Uh, I assume that uh, working in his photography is where he got interested in optics, Mm -hmm. And uh, I may be a little off base, but I think one of his first real contributions was in the area of the uh, gun sights, the telescopic sights. And uh, I believe uh, just a year or so ago they made his 50 caliber Barrett the official firearm of the state of Tennessee.
1: That's pretty neat.
4: Yeah, right up there with the official bird and official tree, and we got an official firearm.
1: You know, it's a fabulous place over there where they, they create all of these weapons and it's constantly uh, improving. And uh, I think I told you, I don't know if I had it on the radio or not, but I was over there showing some of my friends through. He he, uh, I called him and asked him if would be possible. And he's always just say, Sure, come on over. Um, they've got plenty of security there. And... Uh, Uh, While I was showing uh, the people through, uh, they got a phone call, and it was from Afghanistan. And they were having trouble with a weapon over there, and you could hear the gunfire. And uh, uh, the gentleman, the uh, expert that was uh, with with the weapon at the time, uh, told them exactly what to do, and then you could hear more. Gunfire, and I think that was friendly fire at that particular time. So I hope
4: they were on the range working on the problem.
1: Yeah, but but can you imagine having something that means that much to our uh, community to have someone like Ronnie, who's been here and has become so successful, and so has his family.
4: Well, he's a good employer, and several of my neighbors worked there. Of course, uh, his his operation his manufacturing plant is right there on the interstate exit 89 Mm -hmm. and uh, in our neighborhood and uh, appreciate that he's added some quality employment opportunities to our community
1: now tell me about something that maybe a lot of people don't know much about here Uh, you're being invaded by red ants Tell not, me about that.
4: Not red ants, fire ants.
1: Well, same thing.
4: No, they're black.
1: <laughs> I've always called them red ants. I don't know why.
4: Well, the red ants been around a long time. Yeah. But the fire ants have okay. uh, migrated in. I guess as the weather has gone warmer, they've able, they've been able to come north. They've been in Florida for many years. Mm-hmm. That's where and first, Texas. Yeah, that's where I first encountered them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we spent, uh, I forget whether it was Friday mm-hmm. or Saturday, Thursday, uh, spraying and trying to keep them away from the areas where the children play mm-hmm. or where we are in constantly. But out in the pasture down in the southeast part of the county now, uh, these ant hills it can get as much as a foot tall. Uh, are very, very common now. And uh, the ant is, in my opinion, dangerous for uh, a newborn calf or for a child mm-hmm. because they uh, respond in mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow they communicate. You disturb the hill, you're not going to run into a few ants that are aggressive. The entire hill mm-hmm. reacts. And uh, their sting mm-hmm. is uh, acidic and makes a uh, sore that will last for sometimes as much as a week. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if someone got into too many of them at once, probably would have a systemic effect. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the best we've been able to do is to use, a, I think, a spray. It's available from Hooper Supply, uh, B I D E N. That very effectively destroys the hill, but there's always going to be a few survivors who move 50 feet away and build another one. So very hard to control, uh, and that's why we've finally settled on: let's just try to keep them out of those areas where we are. You know, but if you go out in the soybean field, maybe corn this year, uh, the the hills are very very common.
1: Now a lot of people do not know where Hooper's Supply is for some reason. Of course, I know it's, it's kind of trapped back there pretty much uh, um, almost by itself when you when you think about it. Uh, you go into Cannonsburg, and you can actually see it from there.
4: Yeah, it's next door to Cannonsburg, just yeah. beyond it, going from Broad. Uh, it's on the end of one of our oldest uh, streets in Murfreesboro, Front Street, mm-hmm. and now uh, you turn on Front Street uh, and uh, go to the where it hits the old Castle Street, and that's Hooper's Supply, and uh, uh, it's well known in, among the older generation because the what I call the Hoopers Institute. Uh, <laughs> met there every morning for many, many years, and still there's a handful of the old-timers that still are in there. And uh, I don't care what your problem is or what your interest is. Somebody there will tell you about it and set you straight on it. Uh,
1: There's very few of those places left. I remember uh, when I was doing some farming, we would go to the co-op and all of those other uh, businesses, but... hooper has been there a long time it's one of the the, the oldest um, farm support places i guess in rutherford county
4: still active yes and uh, of course they now do uh... garden work and uh, uh... power equipment chainsaws things like that more of the modern but the the old hooper supply unit is still there as well
1: when is he gonna come on the radio with us <laughs> Uh, when he I thought you had him scheduled coming yeah, up. Yeah,
4: right. Uh, we're talking about Bruce Hooper. Yeah, the, He's at least third generation there. And uh, he had a stomach problem and wasn't able to be with us last week. So we'll work on him again.
1: I heard it was a microphone problem.
4: Butterflies.
1: <laughs> you know, this is the most fun job there is. It's not even a job. It's it, it, it just a... Uh, it's one of those things that um rather than taking a vacation, I just love being on with people like you. You were uh one of my first guests, what was that eleven years ago, or whatever it was
4: It was about eleven years ago, and I was just trying to help out a friend in desperate streets yeah uh you you needed you needed some help
1: and uh Actually, I roped you in front of your farm and just dragged you all the way up here, oh, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. You and Coon Victory, Bud Mitchell. Um, and
4: that other journalist, what was his name?
1: Uh, yeah, let's see, Dan, blah, 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 blah. What could that be? Dan Whistle, I think what it was. <laughs> Whistle? <laughs> Little Dan Whittle, I still miss him.
4: Yeah, I think Dan was on Monday and I filled in on Tuesday for you and... Then you begin to hit your stride.
1: But, uh, I don't think I've ever hit it, but this is not really a, a job. It's it's fun, and and people don't realize um, all the ones that we've had over over the years uh, really ha- have a special place with me. And uh, um, well, that, actually, w- when you think about history, you do a lot of historical things. You you've been our historian for a, a long long time. But each one of them had a story to tell, and, and they were so much fun and and interesting to go along with it.
4: Well, let me take advantage of my uh, circumstances here and do a little bit of a promotion. This probably ought to be on Good Neighbor Events. I'll pass it along to Bart. But uh, there's an organization in town which, uh, in the midst of the pandemic, uh, was created by Lisa and Tommy Fells, who are members out at the... Uh, Freedom of Worship Experience Church there mm-hmm. on the Bragg Highway, and the organization is called the We Care Organization, and uh, they just developed a program, a volunteer program, uh, which is committed to caring for and uh, administering to the needs of of those who need special help in our mm-hmm. community. Uh, They provide uh, material support such as food and uh, transportation to doctor's appointments, transportation to voting, uh, anything like that that uh, those in the community need. On Saturday, May 1st, this coming Saturday, the We Care organization is going to be working at the First Baptist Church of Murfreesboro at 200 East Main Street Mm -hmm. from 11.30 in the morning until 2 p.m. in the afternoon. They will be providing free food, free clothing, free hygiene products, and obviously a little bit of prayer and encouragement to those who need it. And uh, all are invited to come by, those who uh, are not in need but are in a position where they can help some, Certainly uh, are encouraged to to join in. And uh, if you want more information, uh, Lisa's phone number is six one five two nine five zero zero five six, or you can go online look for the We care uh, on Facebook for more information. But it's this Saturday, uh, starting at eleven thirty there at the church, probably out in front of the church, so, don't even have to go inside.
1: I'm not familiar with them. It's a new
4: organization that uh, I think last November is when they first organized. And uh, we're responding to some of the hardships that the uh, lockdown and the pandemic and such were putting on our community.
1: Mm -hmm. Hopefully a lot of that is over with. Uh, We're starting to see more and more restaurants without masks. And um, social distancing doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. More people are coming. I I know two or three of the restaurants that I go to, um, there's no social distancing at all. And everybody seems to be so much happier. Uh, They're glad to be back with their friends again. And let's hope that... um, um, that will continue to improve all the way across, and and we will have no more of that. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Greg Tucker. From
0: NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450 and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
2: Hi, this is Lisa Halliburton with Bell Jewelers. Remember, Mother's Day is coming up May the 9th, and at Bell Jewelers, we have some specials on our jewelry just in time for Mother's Day, and we have partnered with some local businesses. When you just spend $99 or more, you'll receive some free gifts. Remember, Mother's Day is coming up May the 9th, That's Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad Street, right across the street from Toots Restaurant,
3: I'm Bobby Parker from the Bridge Avenue Church of Christ, 725 Bridge Avenue. I'd like to invite
1: all of you to our gospel meeting, April the 30th, May the 1st, and May the 2nd. Friday and Saturday night services will be at 7 p.m. On Sunday, we will have the Bible class at 9 a.m., worship service at 10. We'll have an afternoon service at 2 p.m. Our speaker will be Brother Phil Sanders. You all are welcome and wanted at the Bridge Avenue Church Christ.
2: This is Scott. It's now time to make your health a priority with a quick and easy health assessment at Low-T Center where they exclusively specialize in us men and they follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. And they're one of the leading men's medical providers in the country. Low-T Center has really reinvented the doctor's visit and they make it quick and easy for us men to get in and get all of our levels checked out, not just our testosterone. It starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all your numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, have noticed weight gain or loss of muscle mass, they could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety. $135 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. So book your annual wellness exam today. Go to lowtcenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care.
3: MTSU Arts, together with Ascend Federal Credit Union, presents the MTSU Dance Program's Spring Concert. Our talented students and faculty are working together on safely bringing this performance to the Tucker Theater stage from April 22nd through April 24th. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts for more information on virtual showtimes.
0: Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts
3: to learn more today.
0: Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron
3: Jordan. The Tennessee Department of Health is clearing the way for the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine to be used across the state again. The Health Department made the announcement Friday after the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices voted to recommend to the CDC that use of the vaccine may resume. The recommendation was made after reviewing cases of a rare but serious blood clot disorder in some people who received the vaccine. The U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds are the headliners for this year's Great Tennessee Air Show. Other featured performers will include the U.S. Special Operations Command parachute team and the Quicksilver P-51 Mustang. Organizers say this year's show will be socially distanced, featuring premium seating, boxes, and free parking. It's set for June 5th and 6th at Smyrna Airports. Police are on the lookout for 26-year-old Apollo Shandale Cantrell. He's wanted for questioning about the Saturday morning incident at the House of Hummus on Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Police were called to the hookah lounge in regards to a shooting in the parking lot. That's where officers found the bullet-riddled body of 32-year-old Byroll Webb, Jr. Cantrell, 5 feet 6 inches tall, black hair, brown eyes, known to frequent the Hunt Street area. Police in Smyrna initiated a Saturday afternoon traffic stop on Lee Victory Parkway at the Old Nashville Highway. A passenger identified as John Jeffrey Hicks fled on foot. A record check shows that he is out on bond for felony drug charges in a neighboring county. The Laverne Police K-9 Unit and Smyrna Fire Department drone operators are searching for Hicks, who is said to have dropped a semi-automatic pistol as he fled the scene. News on demand 24-7 at WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates
0: around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS.
2: Main Street is proud to bring back Jazz Fest on May 1st starting at noon on the historic Murfreesboro Square. Food trucks, an interactive kids alley, local talent including student and professional bands will all be there. This is a free family event so bring your chairs, your family and friends and come out on May 1st at the Murfreesboro Public Square for Jazz Fest. Presenting sponsors First Bank and T-Mobile.
1: At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, heritagesouth.org, to learn more. Insured by
2: NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSradio.com. Good
3: neighbor weather.
2: Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the low 80s. South winds are on 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy skies, a low near 56. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojciechski on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 51.
3: Classic kid movies are back this summer at Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. Five dollar tickets include admission, drink, popcorn, and candy. Check murfreesboromovies.com for showtimes for classic kid movies all summer.
0: From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
1: And welcome back with Greg Tucker. And uh, I, uh, I don't know, I think I told you, Greg, I've, I used to make fun of you because you had antennas, TV's. And, and I think, well, I, I I'd, I'd take you some movies so you could watch something that would get your attention a little bit. We
4: appreciate your charity.
1: Yeah, you're you're very welcome. <laughs> and you know, guess what? I no longer have cable TV anymore. I, I, think- I became so agitated at, at all the things that they were pushing us. I felt like they were trying to brainwash me. So, I. I have no cable TV whatsoever. I have uh, uh, two big uh, antennas inside the the house. And I am watching uh, shows from the 50s. And uh, guess what? There's no aggravation whatsoever on the airways when you do that. And I select my movies. I will buy movies. It's something I can keep for a long time. And I had a long uh, talk with the people who were providing my cable. And, the, and uh, I guess we had about an hour-plus conversation over why I was doing it and uh, told them that it's not entertaining anymore. It's more of uh, pushing their particular agendas uh, into my home, which I did not appreciate. So... Uh, even sports, uh, they were doing it also. So, no longer do I have any of that uh, um, mess, you might say, and I am so, so relieved and so happy.
4: Well, I hope you'll take up reading again.
1: Well, I do read, but um, in fact, I've got a book that J.D. Kennedy gave me, and you, he, I'm going to let you take it home first. And uh, it's called the Big Square, and it's a history of the 94th Bomb Group, uh, and then that was in World War II, and it, it's a, it's it's an amazing stories, and and I'm going since you're a a, a a dear friend, I'm gonna let you take it home first.
4: Well, I've done something similar. Uh, I have read the week. News magazine for the last several years, and I've decided to let that subscription run out for reasons similar to what you're talking about. Uh, But I have uh, subscribed now to a couple of history journals relating to World War II Mm -hmm. and the period before that, and uh, I guess that's piling it on a little bit, but uh, I enjoy reading about the depression era and the uh... world war two era things were different and uh... it's interesting to learn and understand uh... Um, read or heard recently that some of the uh... our nation's financing which is all being done through debit financing uh... Mm-hmm. and running up an incredible uh... uh debt national debt uh, which I don't know how to react to that for sure, but it seems to me questionable. But uh, the infrastructure bill that's pending, we're talking trillions of dollars to be paid back somehow over the next generation. Mm-hmm. And the uh, response to the pandemic, uh, you know, I don't question that um, some money needed to be spent. But again, we're talking trillions of dollars. Uh, there that will have to be paid back, I assume, by future generations. And I'm reminded of the very first time that the United States did this so-called debit financing. They didn't even call it that back then, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Civil War. Uh, Lincoln rather quickly ran out of money. And for the first time in American history... Started printing paper money. And uh, the paper money was backed up by the, I don't know where the phrase came from, but the good faith and credit of the United States of America, mm-hmm. uh, which of course at that time was questionable as to what the uh, future of the country was, because it was about 1862 when Lincoln and his advisors realized that they were quickly running out of money and started printing money. And uh, they did. They financed the Civil War by pushing the obligation into the future. And
1: uh, the South did the same thing.
4: South was issuing, certainly. Yeah. The Confederate money was of the same nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what they did create was a real uh, boom time for counterfeiters. In fact, if you read back those who've studied it, uh, by the late in the war and in Reconstruction, uh, about half of the U.S. currency in circulation was counterfeit. Wow. Uh, and of course, after the war, the Confederacy having uh, failed, all the Confederate money was worthless. And people recognized that. But still, there was a faith and credit uh, system for the uh, U.S. currency. But it turns out, uh, again, from studies that were done, the fact that half of it was uh, counterfeit didn't seem to bother anybody. Uh, because as long as the next guy in line to get this this uh, dollar bill or whatever it was mm-hmm. accepts it as it had value, uh, we'll use it. And the phrase that became common was... Uh, if uh, it looks good, it is good. So anybody, any of the counterfeit money that was a pretty good example of uh, uh, of the real thing was accepted as readily as the real thing. In fact, most people didn't know which was which.
1: Yeah.
4: Uh, but they were using it. And uh, one of uh, our historic figures that I find colorful and interesting really saw what was going on and figured out a way to take care of it or or to take advantage of it. Uh, I'm talking about uh, a family name very uh, well known in the area Harrell. And uh, back in the middle probably 1840 Reuben Harrell was uh, becoming of age and he had been raised just dirt poor out in the hills to the southeast part of the county. Uh, but he had uh, learned his trade farming Mm -hmm. in the family and uh, found him a sweetheart. Uh, They got married. I don't have the exact dates. It probably would have been in about the 1840s and uh, found him a little place to live. They had a few acres they were uh, negotiated uh, so they could farm it. Uh, Obviously tenant farmer at the time. But he didn't have any any uh, money for seed or equipment or tools, just barely uh, producing enough to live on. So they went to the local store, uh, which was the source of everything back in those days, and uh, asked to uh, make his purchases, what he needed to get started in a little bit of farming, and they turned him down. They would not take him on credit. Mm-hmm. It's cash only. Well, he not only was having to face the problems that created, he was offended, uh, aggravated, angry, And he went back and told his wife, says, "We're never going to buy anything except on cash." And so he started working his own area to provide for himself and his wife and a growing family, but he also started selling his services to anybody in the neighborhood doing anything he could and taking whatever pay he could talk him out of and uh... there's a family history family folklore but uh... i think it has some uh, truth to it he took an old pair of overalls and hung them up inside the house tied off the legs and uh, made sure the pockets were sound and every penny he earned Cash he dropped in those overalls. well but
1: are we talking about coin cash or okay. or paper?
4: He took only coin originally okay, and that's all well before the Civil War, remember any paper money was issued by a local bank or by an individual or a mm-hmm. company so you didn't know whether it was going to be good or not. so uh, as best he could, he wanted coin, coin and
1: we're talking about cash. silver silver primarily yeah yeah, yeah.
4: and uh, whatever they made it out of and uh, obviously the gold coin was the standard at the time mm-hmm. but uh, it came in small pieces and uh, when he had enough coin uh, well he continued to do that and every time he had enough money to do something with He'd take it in and exchange it for a larger denomination, so he didn't have a lot of small change. Mm-hmm. Only. By the time of the Civil War, he had succeeded in buying uh, farmland, which was, of course, very inexpensive at the time. The question mm-hmm. was, how do you work it? And uh, but then, uh, when the war began to have its impact on the community, Reuben Reuben Harrell. Uh, saw some opportunity and he had a little bit of money so uh, he would uh, scavenge and sell it, sell whatever he could scavenge uh, to whoever had the money to buy and of course after 1862 the uh, Yankee military which was on occupation here Mm -hmm. they had this U.S. currency uh so Harold decided to to bet on it, so to speak. And he would take when he had his change to get, he'd go into the bank and exchange it for as large a note as he could. And uh, he started looking for things he could sell. And he figured out that uh, if he could follow up soon after a battle mm-hmm. or a skirmish, and scavenge the battlefield first off he would take horses and mules that had been injured and abandoned nurse them back and resell them usually to the military and he insisted on uh... if you're going to use currency it had to be green had to be the u.s. currency took only the u.s. currency so he was dealing only with the union most of the time and again as he would accumulate a quantity of the smaller bills he would go to the bu- the bank or the uh, military establishment and exchange it for larger bills At the end of the war and you know scavenge whatever he could off of a a battle site mm-hmm. and resell it primarily to the Union army uh, by the reconstruction by the end of the war he was one of the very few people in the county that had any money and so he then went on a real tear buying up property farms that were flat on their back and uh, by uh, the 1880s he owned several thousand acres probably primarily in the southeast area where he was raised mm-hmm. all along what's now Braidable Pike up into that area and uh, uh, he well I found a record of interviews with people that actually remembered him and dealt with him back in the 1920s. And they said he was the tightest guy in the county, but he also was one of the most honest people to deal with. Uh, he came in one time with a load of cotton, went over to one of the cotton brokers down there near where Hooper's is now, mm-hmm. and uh, was going to sell his load of cotton, and the cotton broker said, no, I'm I'm not buying. And uh, Reuben said, why why not? He said, my warehouse is full. I have no place to put any more cotton. I can't afford to add to my inventory. And Ruben said, uh, how much do you have? And he told him. And Ruben says, I'll buy it all where it sits, mm. and actually pay just a little bit uh, uh, under what uh, the broker had been offering to buy Mm -hmm. and uh... in about three months reuben cleared the entire inventory made himself a good bit of money on that on that deal just as an example of how he he looked for the opportunity and had a little bit of cash that he could move around and make those kind of purchases Uh, if you know where the grace baptist church is and the mosque Mm
1: -hmm. uh...
4: that was one of his properties the uh, well he uh, was a tough businessman but he did take care of his family and he raised I think five children and uh, put them all through college got them all an education Uh, had one boy I believe it was Thomas uh, who got in trouble and uh, was in jail pending a trial on a rather serious offense And uh, Reuben uh, went to the jail and talked to the people there and then uh, was back on his property. And word came from the jail that his son had died a mysterious death Mm -hmm. there in the jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Reuben hitched up uh, the uh, wagon and went in uh, with the casket. Mm -hmm. The body was loaded into the casket and then drove away, and a few days later there was a burial. The casket was buried in the uh, family cemetery. Uh, but word began to leak around that the uh, son had turned up out west. And uh, the belief, again, in family lore is that uh, he somehow worked to deal with the uh, establishment, mm-hmm. and uh, they faked the death of his son, and uh, he sent his son off to uh, Texas or somewhere to start over, and uh, using the resources that Reuben could make available. Uh, when Reuben died, he divided up the property in five groups, uh, five pieces, and the grandchildren, the children of the fellow who supposedly died in jail, got that share.
1: Uh, So it didn't go to the son?
4: No, it apparently didn't go to the son. It went to the grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is the property where Grace Baptist and uh, the mosque is on part of it now. That went to one of the sons who married uh, and then his daughter married a Todd and it was called the Todd place and uh, the home that was torn down about nine or ten years ago uh, just the style of the home you could tell it was someone with a little bit of money because it it was done in the Italianate style like Oakland's mm-hmm. uh, I was sorry to see it disappear but it uh, mm-hmm. uh, is now uh, the church property uh, so, Reuben had a nickname. His nickname was Greenback. Greenback Harold, another one of the children, and got the property that uh, had the the home that uh, uh, Arnold, uh, Captain Arnold, had built right at, uh, before the Civil War, which is now called Daffodil Hill, Yeah. and a beautiful old uh, style home there on the. Woodbury Highway, now close into town, but then it was...
1: down on East Main Street now.
4: Yeah, uh, it uh, was a Harrell farm for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Another one of the descendants of Greenback Harrell.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the McNabs owned that a little bit later. That's right.
4: I remember visiting in there when uh, Ms. McNab and her younger son...
1: Kirby. Uh, Kirby lived yeah. there. In fact, uh, I think he would utilize that home. He would sell a lot of really nice stuff in that home, from what I've been told, I think.
4: Yeah, he was very uh, knowledgeable with respect to antique furniture and
1: artwork and such as uh, Kirby. And then he also lived at your place at one time when he was a young boy. Uh, Hall McNabb owned that uh, farm It was well, time.
4: Morning Ride Farm was known mm-hmm. as the McNabb Farm uh, at the time mm-hmm. that uh, we were first interested
1: in it. What was it that drew you to that farm? Because um, I, I, I've been on that farm all over it, hauling hay and doing all the things that young boys would do back in that time. It was the next
4: farm uh, east of my great-aunt, and Mm -hmm. a bunch of cousins. That's how we found it. And just we wanted to raise the children on a farm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was practicing in Washington, D.C. at the time. And the farmland around Washington, D.C. was no longer available as farmland. It was just nothing out there. You'd have to go all the way to the Blue Ridge to find any kind of farm property so when we found out that uh, the neighbor next door to my aunt was uh, looking to sell uh, we worked it out in probably a week of telephone negotiation to come back. It also most people out there will agree is one of the better farms in the area a small Mm -hmm. farm because we're in the
1: bottoms of uh, Cripple Creek. It has improved tremendously since you had that farm. Uh, and, and and I think it wasn't the uh, conclusion uh, by you uh, that this farm is ours is when Mintriette said we'll call this Morning Ride Farm.
4: Yeah. And
1: that was that
4: was it. Yeah, she decided before I had a chance to even negotiate. My comment was, you just took all my leverage off. I got to buy it now, regardless. <laughs> But that's one of the fun things in life. Uh-huh. So things happen.
1: Now you are going swimming today, right?
4: We're gonna go down to the lake. Uh uh-huh. Uh Tim's Ford Lake is a beautiful location yeah. right now. Uh the dogwood around the lake, uh the last time we were down there was putting on quite a show.
1: Ooh. And I all love of it wood. all of
4: it is uh, you know, native. Native yeah. dogwood. It's uh, growing up in there, and the big stand of uh, yellow poplar, which is a valuable wood, but I hope nobody figures that out anytime soon.
1: You know, um, I, my one of my kids showed me a picture. Um, fishing is getting to be big time right now.
4: It's time to go fishing.
1: Yeah, and 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 there's a couple of little spots, rivers and. That uh, will only let you fish out of a kayak or something like that. No, no motor uh, vehicles. And and I, somebody showed me a picture of a muskie. I didn't even realize that we had mus muskies here in this area. That thing must have been almost four feet long. I have never seen anything like it in sure my it life. Were they sure it wasn't a gar? No, it wasn't a gar. It wasn't an alligator gar or anything like that. Uh, I mean, this was a true muskie.
4: Think, I think they're related. When we were fishing in Canada, one of my buddies got chewed up real good by uh, a pike, which is very similar to a musk Yeah. And uh, yeah, he didn't know what he had caught and reached down to grab the lip and got chewed on.
1: This is a time right now to enjoy life. Yeah. Get out and and and, and have have fun with whatever ever ma- uh, nature has to offer us right now. I think we've run out of time, big boy. Anything right. else that you you wanted to say about I, anything? I think I've met my obligations. Well, uh, I think we're going to find out about property assessing tomorrow. In fact, I know we are, and uh, uh, Rob Mitchell is going to be on and. It's going to be a very interesting show. Be
4: sure he talks about our historic tax abatement, the only place in the state of Tennessee where we have a program like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. The the one thing that you didn't get to this morning with your talking about money was uh, when did the gold standard first come about, and how does that make this um, paper uh, that w- that's got the dollar on it. How does that ensure that the, the, that that's going to be um, there forever? Because you, you know, it's just all we've got is the paper. Yeah. When are we, when when can we put our hands on gold? <laughs> uh, down at Bell Jeweler, you
4: just got to pay the price. <laughs>
1: All right. We'll see you in the morning at nine.
0: From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.
2: Since 1981, Willow Window's been making homes beautiful all over Tennessee, from decks and railings to doors and windows. Visit willowwindow.pro. Willow Window, the official sponsor of the WGNS Studios. WillowWindow.pro.